Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage, a podcast brought to you by Citizens Count and the Granite State News Collaborative. This is a podcast about what's going on in the New Hampshire legislature that probably hasn't been made the news, but could still impact you. We'll give you the unbiased facts, pros and cons, and highlight opportunities for you to get involved and make your voice heard at public hearings or other events. If you're curious about our name, that's what legislators get paid. We actually have a whole mini episode about that topic. $100 plus mileage is definitely less than the minimum wage, which is also a topic we might end up talking about. But for now, we're going to address an issue that really came into focus with the 2020 elections, and that is related to absentee voting. I'm Anna Brown, Director of Research and Analysis for Citizens Count, and I'm here with Mike Dunbar, the content editor for Citizens Count. So to start off with a joke that definitely sounds like we're talking about screwing in light bulbs, how many envelopes does it take to mail an absentee ballot, Mike? All right. I didn't know this before last year, but the answer is two. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, so it's because it's basically you have your ballot, which needs to say secrets. Then you put that inside an affidavit envelope, which then goes inside your outer envelope, which actually has your stamp on it and everything. And that's all towards creating secure elections, keeping your vote secret, but make sure it's coming from the right people. And the part we're talking about is just when officials can open each envelope, not even when they can count the ballots. So some days this starts the morning of election day, like Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, Arizona starts 14 days before the election. Other states can start opening this, these envelopes as soon as they get them in the mail. A couple of those states probably sound familiar, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, shout out. Um, my Mike, that definitely came up in the 2020 election, right? Right, right. And now there's just so much more focus on when we process and count these ballots. All right. So, yeah, there are actually four bills that touch on this topic in the New Hampshire legislature this year. HB 61 and SB 47 would allow early processing of absentee ballots as part of larger plans to expand absentee voting. Then two other bills, SB 83 and SB 89, include early processing of absentee ballots without expanding eligibility for absentee voting in general. They make other election changes. And we can talk a little bit about that later. But basically, there are many steps to requesting, sending, processing, counting your absentee ballots. And each of those steps has special measures to ensure that this is the vote. It's, it's not fraudulent. It's coming from the person and your vote is secret. So, Mike, can you walk us through the process for what happens when a town official receives your absentee ballot in the mail? Sure. So, the process is that when they go to process these absentee ballots, town and city moderators have to follow very regimented steps. So the first step is they open the outer mailing envelope. So the first of those two envelopes we mentioned, they inspect the inner affidavit envelope to ensure that it's signed appropriately, et cetera. Uh, and then they actually have to publicly announce the name of the voter whose ballot they're holding. They open the affidavit and remove the folded ballot itself within, uh, without examining it. And then they cross the voter's name off of the voter checklist. And then finally, they place the ballot, which they still haven't looked at, into the ballot box. I'm not going to lie. It's, it reminds me a little bit of a Rube Goldberg machine because <laughs> yes. there's, there's so many steps involved. And it, it also has a little bit of that feel of almost like you're getting announced at a ball, you know, the way that this person is now voting. <laughs> Introducing. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the point is security, you know. Uh, the, so the affidavit has to be signed by the voter. If they forget to sign it, the ballot can be rejected. And, it, you know, there were some legal issues 
is about whether they compare the signature on the affidavit with the signature for the original application. And since that could really be open to interpretation, like whether it's the same signature or not, courts mostly struck that down in New Hampshire. But if they can see that the signature definitely is someone else, like it's 100 percent just someone else's name, someone else signed the affidavit, then requested the ballot. And there's not an issue where it's like they were assisting the voter because the voter has certain disabilities, then that ballot will get rejected. Another kind of weird fact about this whole process. So the affidavit envelope is called a secrecy sleeve um, <laughs> because it, it keeps your ballot secret. And with if you send in your ballot without the affidavit, it's called a quote unquote naked ballot. So basically your ballot doesn't have any pants. It's super <laughs> scandalous. And there's also some issues like Florida and Washington in 2020, at least, were said, we'll still count your ballot even if it's naked. They do not discrimination, no discrimination against ballot flashing. But New Hampshire <laughs> said, no, you have to have your ballot in that affidavit because once again, security, it's a lot of security issues. So the other thing is, so when they're doing this whole, you you know, and I are talking about the, the opening the outer envelope, inspecting, open the envelope, voters can observe this process and it's called challenging a ballot. And parties can appoint people in every, every town and city to challenge ballots as well. So basically, if I know that this person totally does not live at the address that they are showing for their voter registration, I could challenge that and say, that person does not live there. So there's this whole other process in state law, which for the sake of time, we won't get into about what happens if a ballot is challenged and those ballots ultimately that are challenged or rejected because of the signature or whatever are segregated and they have their own special procedures. And so, yeah, when when Trump talked about people, you know, he I think it was that famous quote where he said, you know, go and observe the polls, make sure it's secure. In New Hampshire, there was already a process for the public to do that. That happens every year. So, yeah, lots of lots of public involvement in this. But we're, once again, we're talking about when it happens. When does this happen? So, Mike, what's the current state law? Okay, so the current state law is the processing of absentee ballots has to happen on election day and at least two hours after the polls have opened. Um, and that time when that happens has to be publicly announced ahead of time so that if you want to go down and watch uh, the ballots being counted, you can go set the time to do that. And election officials, you have to remember, are processing these absentee ballots while also running in-person voting. So uh, there's a lot going on on Election Day. So, so literally, you know, announcing names and running back and forth with checklists and yep. slicing open envelopes. It all happens at once. Yep, exactly. Yeah. God bless them. All the volunteers, you know, they're working hard there. Uh, 2020, as it did for so many of us, it brought some changes and it brought changes to this process as well. So the state in 2020, let all Granite State voters uh, vote absentee in 20 in that year because of the coronavirus pandemic, obviously. And that meant that, you know, local officials were expecting a big wave of absentee ballots. The legislature temporarily changed the law so that uh, towns and cities could partially process the absentee ballots a few days before the election. So what that means, if you think back to our process before, opening the outer mailing envelope, inspecting the inner affidavit envelope without actually opening it, uh, announcing the name of the voter, and highlighting the voter's name on the checklist. So that would be uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Monday ahead of the Tuesday election, um, also publicly uh, scheduled ahead of time so people can go see. 
Yeah. So you can't just, you know, have set it up all of a sudden. You just set up a meeting table in the basement of town hall. Right. You, at you 2 a.m. And don't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm sure that I'm sure that, you know, that, that would cause an uproar in New Hampshire, even though many people don't know what happens. I'm sure that that would be a huge New Hampshire government scandal. So. <laughs> Finishing it off on Election Day, that's when they would open the affidavit because all of our ballots in New Hampshire have pants, no naked ballots, <laughs> cross mm -hmm. the voter's name off the checklist and place the ballot in the ballot box. Uh, also a difference between highlighting the name and crossing it off. So voters in New Hampshire have a right to show up in person even if they send in an absentee ballot. In fact, they're legally required to vote in person unless you are out of town or fit one of these other exceptions like you can't get off work or something like that. So that that's why we don't count the ballots ahead of time. That's why you don't cross off the name ahead of time. You just highlight or, or somehow mark it. And then if someone has a business trip that gets canceled, they can still show up in the first two hours of the polls open and cast their vote. Of course, how long they get to do that is a debate that goes back to the 1960s. So at first it was they couldn't start opening the envelopes until the end of Election Day. Then it got moved to when polls open. Then it was moved to 1 p.m. It got moved to two hours after the polls open. Uh, there's just all sorts of debates about when elected officials can do this. And so I found a, when I was reading through these old bill debates, I found a kind of funny quote. It was in 2005. Secretary of State Bill Gardner, New Hampshire treasurer, he's been running New Hampshire elections for decades, came to testify on this bill that was going to move the time again. And it had a lot of support. And he opened with some have said that is refreshing for the soul to sometimes experience being the skunk at a lawn party. <laughs> I read that and I was like, I have never heard anyone say that. I have never heard life. anyone say that either. <laughs> but he's, you know, he's right. Let's go ahead and dive into some of these stinky trade-offs he was talking about. Okay. All right. So, well, first the public needs the adequate opportunity to observe and challenge these absentee ballots. So, uh, especially as we saw in 2020, it, doing that, it keeps the vote on the up and up. Everybody trusts in the process that way. Um, but if we uh, process these votes on, say, a Thursday with only 48 hours required notice, it's it can be hard to get time off work. You know, it's uh, it might make it more difficult for people. Right. It's easier. It's, it's a happening election day. You know, it's election day. If you're talking to your boss, your boss knows it's election day. Right. Whereas if, you know, two days beforehand, you'd have to say, I have to go protect democracy. Not <laughs> clear how your boss might react. But on the other hand, the laws it was passed in 2020 and some of these proposals would also let it happen the Saturday before an election, which arguably could make it even easier. Um, so that's another factor to consider. So the other one that I think has really been a theme, like I said, back to the 1960s, is how late do we all want to wait for election results? Mm -hmm. So back in 1967 was when they had to wait until the polls closed in which and then they could start opening these these envelopes, these affidavits and putting the ballots in the counting process. So that made for really late nights. And so there have also been in between bills just on, can, well, well, can we just do this? Can we, can we just slit open the envelopes even? And so in 2008, there was a law and the only purpose of this bill was that they could start slitting open envelopes with envelope openers the morning of the election, as soon as polls open. They just wanted those extra two hours. And that was another kind of funny bill hearing because a local official showed up with 
envelope openers <laughs> and letter openers, I should say. Envelope openers sounded very strange. Letter openers, you know, those like basically like yeah. knives, like they're used as weapons in Agatha Christie mysteries. Mm -hmm. And so one of the senators said, I would like to say this is the first time in my 20 years here that someone has entrusted four senators with a sharp object at this hour <laughs> of the morning. <laughs> so, you know, it can be very dramatic at the state house with this absentee envelope business. Uh, and But it's not just about a local official saying, oh, my God, I want to go to bed. <laughs> the public also has an interest in swift results. So once again, we're looking at Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, mm -hmm. drawn out results, uncertainty, accusations that there is just fraudulent votes piling in. And even if that's not reality and not what's going on, I think we can all agree that there, there was a lot of anxiety created by not knowing election results election night or at least first thing Wednesday morning. Um, but of course, there's also flip side to that, which is right. Fraud. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, when we talk about fraud, to be clear, uh, the secretary of state, Bill Gardner, Governor Chris Sununu and officials across New Hampshire all affirm the integrity of New Hampshire's voting process, which includes this expanded absentee voting in 2020. Um, but there's less error and room for tampering uh, if we don't touch absentee ballot envelopes until Election Day. Yeah, I mean, and, and this is the thing, right? We've gone through this Rube Goldberg process mm -hmm. of very carefully opening and slitting the envelopes. And I didn't mention, you didn't mention, there's also very clear process with sealed boxes. You know, where these envelopes go, it's they don't just get thrown in a pile, thrown in a bag. There's all this accounting that goes along with it to make sure that no ballots are lost. But you know what? Hu human error also happens. God forbid, you know, water damage or something. I don't mm -hmm. know. It's 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 true. Like you just you do just slightly open the door for something bad to happen, I suppose, even if we don't have any examples of that being widespread. Sure, it's a concern. And we all value the sanctity of the democratic process in our elections. OK, the other trade off that I want to talk about today is the ability for absentee voters to correct mistakes on their ballot. If we're talking about keeping the vote secure, then it's worthwhile to give voters a chance to fix it if they just forget to sign their affidavit envelope or maybe it's damaged or God forbid their their ballot is naked and doesn't have its affidavit <laughs> pants. Um, and this happened. So in the Manchester state primary in 2020, about 200 ballots got rejected just because of paperwork errors. It wasn't any sort of question about this person living in Manchester or whatever. It was just, oh, they, they, they messed up, which, to be fair, the paperwork. I'm is amazed not... it's that few. Yeah, yeah I'm like, amazed. <laughs> the paperwork is is kind of complex. It's a little legal easy. And I think when you first think absentee voting, you think I can just mark off my ballot and shoot it in the mail. And instead, you have to seal all these things and do things just the right way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I know that party officials too, those appointed observers were able to uh contact some of these people and make sure like for their own candidate's sake, like, yeah, make sure your vote counts. Okay. So if I had to really quickly summarize the trade-offs, I would say if local officials can start opening absentee ballot envelopes a few days early, we get swift and potentially more accurate vote counts since people can correct mistakes. But some people believe it's still more secure and safer to keep everything sealed until election day. So if our listeners have an opinion on this issue, what should they do? All right. Well, there's actually four bills that include uh, absentee balloting process um, that are going to be in front of the legislature this year. So those are HB 61, 
SB47, SB83, and SB89. So as of this recording, uh, SB47 had a hearing in January. SB83 has a hearing on February 8th at 9.30 in the morning. Got to get up early. Uh, And no hearing scheduled yet for SB89 or HB61, but we'll keep listeners posted on that. Yeah, and we'll include links in in the show notes, et cetera, for those bills on our website. I will throw out there, though, 9.30 a.m., not too early when you can testify virtually Virtually, since COVID-19 has brought some blessings. And now in New Hampshire, if you want to speak at a public hearing, you don't have to get in your car, drive to Concord, find parking, which footnote, so difficult in Concord. (laughs) There are not a lot of spaces. And then the meters are only two hours. That's just, I'll just throw that out in the world. Now you can go by Zoom. And so you can sign up ahead of time through the legislative website and testify from the comfort of your own couch. Just make sure your cat doesn't walk on your keyboard since we have all been there if you have a cat. And then if you have a dog, they'll probably bark. But I understand that dogs are just, you know, I'm a cat person, so (laughs) I won't worry about that. I did also want to say there is some other things in those bills. And so we were talking just about this timing of absentee ballot envelope opening. But so HB 61 and SB 47 allow the early processing of ballots as part of larger plans to expand absentee voting. They would basically allow anyone to vote absentee without an excuse, just no excuse absentee voting. And then SB 89 would include several other election related changes in addition to allowing early processing of absentee ballots. So, for example, it prohibits photos within the guardrail of a polling place that capture a voter's ballot. It sets up a committee to study post-election audit counting devices, few other things. SB 83 would also create an online election information portal where voters could do things like request an absentee ballot. Uh, It also sets up virtual town meetings and drive-by votings, another thing from 2020, which is kind of interesting. And it would also require campaign finance reports to be legible. This is (laughs) an issue that I personally care about as someone who reads campaign finance reports. The Secretary of State allows candidates to submit handwritten reports and they just scan them as PDFs. So you find yourself trying to figure out who the heck donated to this person and what the heck did they spend on because it looks like paperclip bananas and that can't possibly be right. They just they just find the person with the worst handwriting in the office just to, <laughs> just to make sure you definitely find yourself questioning, like, is this intentional mm. or is this just like a generational like I should be able to read this cursive? <laughs> so that. The SB 83, lots of fun stuff in that one if you want to dig into it. So you don't have to testify on all of those issues, though, if you want to talk about the early processing of absentee ballots you can, or any other one thing in those bills. You can just offer what you want to offer and then leave it up the, the rest up to the legislators to decide. So you can learn about all of these bills on our website, citizenscount.com. So we've reached the point in our podcast, which we are calling only in New Hampshire, because having a legislature that is populated with people paid $100 plus mileage is just one of the many unique things about our state. So I think our fun fact today is related to the election. Mike, hit me. That's right. All right. So here's the question for you. What happens if two people tie in a New Hampshire election? 
okay, I am cheating basically because I have had to cover this for citizens count. Mm -hmm. I happen to know that the answer is they it's by chance and they use dice in a bottle. You would think that would be a joke, right? There's no way that an actual (laughs) modern day election could be decided by dice in a bottle. But that's actually true. So uh, it gets tossed after recounts, right? Yeah. So I remember in 2014, there was a Danville race for a state primary race, Republican side, and they ended up having to just decide it by chance. And there are many other races in New Hampshire that are decided by just a handful of votes. So, for example, in 2018, Republican Richard Bowden beat Democrat Gail Ober by just one vote to take a House seat in Laconia. And I love to bring this up to any of those Debbie Downer people who say, my vote doesn't matter. It really does in New Hampshire. It's Mm -hmm. not just a feel-good statement. You can literally be the deciding factor between a Republican or Democratic majority in our state legislature. Kind of similar even also once they get in there, one vote makes a difference as well. I remember when New Hampshire repealed the death penalty a couple years ago, the ultimate vote to override Sununu's veto passed by just one vote. So that's a little lesson for you and why you should stop feeling sad about democracy and get involved instead. That's right. Your vote counts. Your vote does count. That wraps up our episode for today. You can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd also like to thank Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Granite State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by the one and only Mike Dunbar. Lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be a part of what makes New Hampshire by the people, for the people. 